0: Welcome to I Can't Make Bread, So I Made a Podcast. I'm your host, Helen King, founder of HK Productions, a Kiwi-run podcasting business. Stick around and you'll learn tips and tricks to amplify your voice through podcasting. Hello, welcome to the rebooted I Can't Make Bread, So I Made a Podcast. A few months ago, I published a few episodes where we talked about storytelling, and then I changed podcast platform and lost most of my recordings. I'm not one to be defeated, and so I decided to salvage what I could from my previous recordings and relaunch with a couple of new interviews. Like many other people, I started podcasting in lockdown in 2020 when we were all stuck at home and I needed a project to stop me from doom scrolling. I can't make bread, so I made a podcast. The Word Radio was launched in July 2020 and really helped me find my passion, which is in podcasting. In October of 2020, I took on my first client, and that was when HK Productions were born. I started with podcast editing, and that's evolved into podcast launch, management, coaching, and I love it. I, I have a media background. I've come from journalism and radio production. And so podcasting for me just brings together everything that I love and I can do it from home, which is amazing, especially in this crazy pandemic life. The SeaWorld Radio really is a place for people to share their experiences about cancer I was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2018 when I was 37. And for me, it was an experience that completely changed my life. I found that once treatment ended, there was just nowhere I could go and find out exactly how I could rebuild my life. I think the C word for me has just been this way for, to connect with other people and learn how they've done it because it can be a really lonely experience trying to figure it out on your own. I can't make bread so I made a podcast is more of a little side project that I'd been thinking about earlier this year to help others who might be thinking about starting a podcast but don't know how to do it and just need a little bit of inspiration. I love podcasting and one of the things that I love so much about my work is that I get to help other people discover their passions and, and find a voice. Today's episode is a discussion from my kitchen table over cups of tea and biscuits, which is actually how I think all podcast interviews should be recorded. I had been following my guest on Instagram and she inspired me. She was amazing, just what she was creating and her dedication to challenging the status quo and really putting diversity into the spotlight rather than being a buzzword or the word of the day. Elena Ashimbaeva started Storio with her partner Stephen Mayo after he mentioned to her that he wanted to learn how to be a better ally. They started creating videos that really share narratives that are not seen or are rarely seen in the mainstream media with a focus on gender diversity. We started our conversation with how Storyo came to be. I've always been part
1: of those diversity and inclusion committees or whatever at work, or if it wasn't a formal structure, I would just be talking about it anyways <laughs> to uh, like colleagues and employers or university and stuff. And I've been a part of uh, Women and Non-Binary in Tech Auckland There's a group. Of women and binary who work in tech and we organize events in Auckland. and there's a slack like, community and I guess I would come home all the time and talk about that, you know, my frustrations and <laughs> all the, how slow things are moving. And am a partner, Stephen, So he ran a marketing agency at the time and he did lots of content creation for that, I guess, like just random interviews or whatever. And cause I would obviously come home and talk to him and he was like, hi, oh, and his marketing realm and. The work that he was doing, he just noticed, like, it was funny he noticed because we are very aware of it. And as a white cis male, he only noticed when I was talking to him about it, (laughs) that like all the interviews and panels, not all, but most visible boards, or if you Google like your top 10 entrepreneurs or whatever else in New Zealand, and actually pretty much everywhere in the Western world is very white male cis people, I guess. (laughs) So we talk a lot about that at home and he was like how do i be a good ally and how do i like do you reckon if i just interviewed a women in non- non-binary for this would that be a like what do you think about it and then would you also want to help me and i was like yes so i kind of I, I don't know it was really random and i i fully like overtook it from him <laughs> pretty much and just made it totally like my own thing pretty much and we initially i think he wanted to interview like show different women non-binary who have done some awesome stuff and we quickly found out that actually the way you do interviews it makes sense I fix the story so much like the stories that are told often is very sensational very like here is if there's some struggles involved here is how I've overcome them and now I'm the successful blah 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 blah. or um, a story of a CEO how they've started from nothing and worked really hard and now they're the CEO nothing wrong with the stories that's fine it's just that they were like the majority of the stories online and reading those stories just makes, I don't know, I felt quite incompetent reading the stories and just thinking, Oh my God, am I only successful and worthy when I've achieved X, Y, and Z on the society's capitalist scale of success, whatever that means. So yeah, so we quickly thought, okay, we'll just start reaching out to how about we just like completely not do that and just talk to our friends and friends of friends and that kind of grew um, from there yeah
0: yeah that's the, the beginning of the, the journey i guess i love that so much because i we were talking before we started before i hit record and i was telling elena why i started podcasting and one of those reasons really was around how cancer stories are told and they aren't always nice and have a lovely ending and a lot of people reject that being called a warrior and they fought this brave battle and all of that stuff so i love being able to have conversations around that because i think we need to allow people to tell their stories Mm -hmm. in the way that they feel yes they should be told yes
1: and it's actually probably more to, to add to that as well is that we are so used to and, and i've been really like actually i, I didn't know at a time when i started story like it really helped me unlearn or is helping me unlearn all those narratives so if we tell a story or if we anything online that we consume has to be like sound bitey and ah, like it has to keep our attention and it has to be constantly providing stimuli all the movies you know all the whatever interviews everything has to be like story what's the story and it has to be and in a way that I knew that's the stuff that I consume sometimes too much. And that's why we get into overdrive. oh We constantly have to have produce outcomes and outputs and be amazing and talk, tell whatever sensational stories versus just like, this could be a life is actually, doesn't have to be that way. And it just, it, and most of the time it's not, it's just the way we talk about it. So how about we just tell like normal stories of everyday people that are wonderful, but I don't have to be like this rollercoaster of an emotion all the time and it's okay
0: i guess because one of the one of the things that i've really been thinking about and it really has come up recently with the proposal of this film Mm. they are us and which rightly people have really been vocal about is that thinking about who is telling the story and who is the main narrative and i would love to know what you have learned as you have, you know, grown in Astorio and encountered these different people and being present for their stories, what has that taught you about what diversity is?
1: Yeah, oh, actually, it, I, I got into it thinking that I'm very woke, <laughs> <laughs> millennial, that, and oh my God, I'm I'm an ethnic migrant woman, I can speak to those things, and I've done all this work in previous places, and yet it's still teaching me how little I know of my own biases and my own approach. And even with, as you said, with storytelling, right? When you're, when you like the kind of questions you ask, even if you say, okay, it's not going to be, I'm not going to direct a film about you. We're going to just ask you questions. But asking questions is directing, as narrative, right? What I've really found is that people go and, let's say, let's take refugee migrants or let's take trans women or whichever kind of like cross intersectional marginalized group in society. And the stories that are told about them, or not about them, even the questions that the narratives you weave by asking questions is, hey, tell me about you being trans. Or, hey, tell me about you being a refugee, or how hard it was. Or, what do you think about that? And I think I've been really learning, unlearning, figuring out my place. I'm like, I don't want to do that. So if we've ever interviewed someone who is, like, from whatever group it has been really cognizant of not asking them, not, they can share that if they want to. But it's not now for example we were we're thinking with Palestine what's happening in Israel and have more voices of uh, like women from Palestine for example but I I can only imagine if we if someone went and said hey you're from Palestine. tell me about it tell what what do you think and a lot of people are just exhausted of talking and thinking about it and they don't want to they don't want to share anything they just want to talk about their life and maybe their kids or their hobbies or their work or whatever and I guess the same narrative goes with with everyone right so even being the interviewer when you just you think you're just this kind of wall listening to the person you are to the narrative and asking the questions so being really careful and i've been really learning that as well like how do i bring out the person's story what that is asking questions and have a conversation but not let focus on a very what such a small part or maybe it's a big part of their identity a lot of the news about oh this is a refugee poor them let's talk about them hey you're a refugee how do you feel about being a refugee and maybe they just don't know don't want to talk about it maybe they're like i don't that's not part of my identity anymore or geez i'm such i'm so much more than a refugee so yes i think it's interesting i've definitely learned a lot about acknowledging my own biases acknowledging my own background like acknowledging that i don't know so much stuff like unless i'm from the group and even if I'm from the group of as well, there is, I'm just one person and gosh, there is this so many experiences. So just listening and talking to people and learning and I've, I've been wrong kind of, not wrong was the word, I guess I've made mistakes a few times. Like when I asked something or said something and thinking that I was being good intentions, <laughs> that I offended someone. And I guess it's like learning how to sit with it and be uncomfortable but not make the person uncomfortable because it's not their job and then be grateful that they spend time to teach you even though um, that's not something that anyone wants to do on their uh, free time is to go around and teach people and yeah and I guess just learn I feel like we don't do that enough like in, in the environments where I work especially I've seen people in the corporate or whatever government people don't want to be uncomfortable so they just completely don't learn about this narrative and stories and how to do better and that's why we keep propagating the same movies the same bullshit
0: <laughs> narratives as well oh so many things to relate to there i was thinking actually as you were talking because about oh, about 10 years ago now i did my master's degree and it was a crossover between anthropology and media studies and i interviewed a small group of muslim women at the time, and it was such an interesting time because the Arab Spring was happening and they were just, I don't know, it just had quite a different energy at that time. And if you were talking, I was thinking, I was having one of those cringe moments because I was thinking, oh, what questions I must have been asking about what is it like to be a Muslim woman in New Zealand? And now I think about that and go... It's been interesting,
1: actually, and I would love to hear your thoughts as well. Like, learning, because you... (sighs) Let's say, you're, let's say you're working with... I'm just going to make up some random crap. Cooking. You're trying to cook. And if you make a mistake there, you're like, okay, I'll just throw it out and yeah. try it. Else? When you work with people, <laughs> like learning sometimes more so at the expense of people. like I found that I've, it's quite a... control. It makes me feel like, oh, is it okay? I know I'm going to make mistakes, but that might really make someone upset or have a... Yes, yeah, so just being really cognizant. And I guess I'm just... Actually recently, what you remind me as well is because I'm doing my master's in human rights now and we did a paper just recently on research methods in social sciences and how the way research is conducted is very Western approach. And it's very, we are scientists and we academics or whatever, we come and we take your stories, what we want to take from them. We ask those questions and we go away and do something with them how does the community benefit and it's really got me questioning a lot because i think i just didn't question those things before oh yeah let's say especially when it comes to human rights social science anything when you're talking about muslim communities or again refugees or whatever else or like um what i'm studying was domestic violence and violence against women and when you those stories they're they're quite traumatic people to to retell for the purpose of your paper or your research what is yeah so i've just been really like what is the bigger purpose and it shouldn't be about oh i just want to share something on my instagram it should be it's oh i don't want to i should want to write my paper so i'm just trying to like oh, sit with it and be like what does it all mean and yeah yeah i don't think i uh, yet know exactly <laughs> i, I still <so>
0: understand yeah <laughs> yeah it's i think yeah it I think that is one of the the difficulties of being a person that thinks and does examine where they are. Mm-hmm. And I think it comes back to something you were saying before about when we are interviewing people, when we are asking them to share themselves with us, mm-hmm. that we are always going to influence what they say and how they present it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's quite an interesting, yeah, it's an interesting thought to sit with you think oh I want this person to feel really comfortable with me and tell me their experience but it's always going to be filtered because they'll think okay how do I need to present myself to and this what's person? the purpose of this whole thing as
1: well. Yeah I think it's a yeah like with the interviews that I've been doing um I actually tried to there's been an interesting shift for me as well when I started it was purely like a lot of us start random projects and things all the time and then we just never finish them or never not finish them but never stick with them. So story in the way I was like okay I'll do it for six months. And I will actually stick to it for six months. And then I will not, even if I get bored or even if I, whatever. And then I'll re-examine. And I loved it. So I was like, okay, another six months, we'll see. (laughs) And I did it for another six months. And in a way, it was very like, okay, what is this moment of connection? Can I just enjoy... If it's not about, because this wasn't for me, about how do I grow viewership or how do we get more likes on Instagram or whatever. It was like, okay, can I just focus on this moment, present moment, I'm here with this person talking and sharing a story and they're sharing something with me. And I always share back because we, when I do interviews, it's like a lot of, I still talk a lot back. I cut it out all <laughs> most of the time, but in this moment is how, what does it feel? How does it, and a lot of the people that I don't usually get to tell their stories, uh, like for them, it's quite important being, as you might know, as like be, is someone telling whether to do with cancer or anything else, like someone telling their story, even if it's just, To one viewer which is you (laughs) that like sense of like my voice matters so having this moment of okay how do you make them comfortable how do you make this whole interaction how do you whatever but having afterwards like i will take care of your story and i will i will make sure that i can do the best with it at the same time without having a pressure on you i find that a lot pressure on myself how do i grow this thing like wait wait wait, no is the point to grow or the point is to affect something let's focus on that on the change effect and effect, rather than the whatever growth
0: means. Yeah, it's such a good point, and I think that when it comes to podcasting, that's very true as well. Because I often say to people that yeah, it's not about the numbers, and I can get very caught up in it as well. How many downloads have I got? How many how is it going? But actually. The, the whole purpose of starting Podcast the C-word was very much about, I want to reach that person who's going through chemo and is feeling really frightened and alone to share these stories that they can go, oh, okay, I relate to that. I get that. And that, yeah, I think sometimes we we can lose track of why we started it. and it's so important. Mm-hmm. I think about what you're doing and you're giving People who often don't get a space and a voice, mm. this platform to say, This is who I am. How they t- talk about me over I mean, here, yeah, that's not me. This is me. I am, um, because I saw one of your stories and I thought, Oh, that's so powerful. When you, it was just a really basic um, title of This is what women in tech look like. And I thought,
1: it, Yeah, yeah, it's actually good. Yeah, so, yesterday, uh, over the weekend, actually, Saturday, Sunday, we recorded for the first time, we did a uh, 30-women and non-binary in tech series because yeah. we've done only one-on-one interview was whether it was a video or written. And this time I'm like, oh, we'd love to, I would love to challenge that whole, like tech bro kind of picture that people have in tech. And it's a very white male, like in general, everyone, you know, it's not, no, no secret. And I was like, oh, I'd be cool to do like 30 gender diverse and women in tech and just do a 10 minute interview. So we've done them all 30 interviews over the weekend. And it was. This is such a wonderful. Again, having this view of like we're in the moment, we're talking. The person gets to tell a bit of their story, and it was just ten minutes. But hopefully, okay. This food. Here's my intention. So you're very clear. Like you know, without having this. Okay, we're gonna record this, and then hopefully it's gonna get ten thousand views. Yeah, I, I struggle with that. Numbers are so easy to measure, right? It's just such a in, especially when they were like right there next to your thing when you posted. And yeah, I find when I, whenever I focus on that. It completely takes away the, the joy, the pff, intent, the the way what I want to ask and how I want to talk. And yes, yeah, so I'm really constantly trying to remind myself like, whoa, 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 why is this important? What am I doing? Who is this
0: for? Let's come back to that. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to ask as well, and I'm probably asking this for myself more <laughs> anything because I've really thought about this a lot in the past year of podcasting and. I feel like cancer is one of those things that it doesn't matter who you are anyone can get cancer but some of us indigenous people or pacifica people have much higher rates or worse outcomes and I was looking at who I was interviewing and I was thinking am I actually reflecting the actual face of cancer and it was an uncomfortable truth right to go no I'm not I'm There are a lot of white women (laughs) in my interviews and I thought I've got to do better because although I look at what I do with the C word and I, I really focus on storytelling, I will advocate and say my thoughts around elements of cancer care, but I figured what I can do is provide people a space to tell their story in their own words. And so that is something that I've been a lot more mindful of that how many different voices am I getting into this space but I and that's my very roundabout way of saying how can we be better allies how can creators whether you're a podcast creator you're writing how can we be better at inclusion and making sure the voices that we're amplifying aren't just
1: (laughs) yeah 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 for sure for sure I don't know if I like have a answer i have thoughts i found that a lot actually in my work because i used to work with government and a lot of the times we and i, and I spoke to them about it many times <laughs> openly like we we sit in boardrooms in wellington on 20th floor with 13 people none of them are maori pacific maybe one person is in the room and we're discussing outcomes for rural schools or for whatever else and oh, sorry not just even Maori Pacific. general ethnic diversity is completely missing and maybe there's gender diversity a little bit, but most rooms I've sat in, I was the only woman and the only woman of color. And I'm not also like, I still have my privileges with not being, cause there is still almost a hierarchy of like a white passing person and a not white passing person. So sitting in the room and being like, okay, how can we talk about someone's experience or addressing problem or whatever, whatever without firstly having them in the room, but not just what happens often, and we talked actually yesterday a lot about it, is there's a very tokenistic like, we're gonna get person of colour intern and then make them do all the culture work <laughs> for us. Happens so many times. Like, oh the classic um, example of diversity and inclusion boards are mostly women. And a lot of times actually women who are white, because I think women of colour just there's so few of them and they're just so tired of doing the work that they just don't join. Of that, so there's I guess this balance of we can learn so much from people, but how do we not make people like, hey you're brown. Teach me about teach me about how how do how am I better? How should I be better? Because or if you do that, pay them. <laughs> I think that's a great constant free labor, emotional labor, explaining why people deserve. And so that's been very interesting and hard. I don't think actually diversity. We are unfortunately the place where diversity isn't easy anymore. It's not a it's not a oh if we just let it. Or oh, I'm I'm so aware, and it will just happen. It doesn't because we just have have such a segregation, have such a all the stuff. So it is like definitely extra work and definitely extra time. And I just keep seeing from from lots of places at work. I think they do it from the place of oh, someone's been complaining about it. We need to seem better on the outside. We will hire someone, one person, or we will pay someone or whatever versus like really questioning inside and learning. So I think, yeah, I guess my roundabout way of saying, it, I think it's a hard balance of not making anyone else do the labor, yeah. but also acknowledging that, well, just on your own, sometimes you won't figure it out. <laughs> Google has been my Google and actually following what I've done probably like two years ago. I've done this like a really big clean of all the people I follow, books I read, podcasts I listen to, music I listen to, and realized oh my God, there's so much, it's just white almost everything every book I've read was a man as well almost every book I've read was like I'm like I haven't read a book by a woman in so long and so I'm like really cleansed it so for last year I probably only read books by women and binary and ethnic people and migrants and stuff and my Instagram got completely really redone and I feel like I learned just from from watching a lot of the times which is almost like a passive way of observing and being like okay well I can't say that good to know or the good thing is oh if you want to ask about something um, from a a locomotive don't just reach out and ask pay money because it's been really emotional okay cool that's fine we can do that so i've been doing my learning that way as well but in terms of the getting people it's been interesting because yeah i i getting people on podcasts or on teams and stuff people think oh i don't really know like at work i'm just thinking oh i don't really know anyone we've put job ad out there and no one applied who's not white i guess what we've done we what we could (laughs) and I just found, even just via Instagram, like, reaching out to people, who am like, hey, actually, I'm going to make a point that I have to have, like, almost like a representative population sample of, like, how many people I need to have on the platform to stories. And I'll make sure I stick to it. Because by default, a lot of the times it just doesn't happen. And I've noticed people who reach out to me sometimes to, uh, saying, hey, I would love to share my story, which I'm, like, so grateful for that and humble that someone wants to share the story. But most of them are white mm. actually all of them pretty much will reached out for white but it's because I think I all the crap that we've had to as a society uh, have done so I'm really cognizant of okay I can't just by default take those people I'm gonna say I'm sorry and I've said to many times people might I'm sorry I'm actually looking for someone who's not white
0: mm.
1: uh, for this series or whatever and people take it you know I mean whichever way they take it if you have a if you, you know, if you say it from the heart they will take it fine but if they don't I'm sorry yeah, being almost like a quota. I don't know if quota sounds really bad, but having a, I'm going to make sure that I'll reach out to people and just keep reaching out and finding the stories.
0: What did you find? How, how did you find yeah. in terms of your journey? With- it's been, and I think in some ways it is a hard question because there is no magic formula. And to be honest, mine has been formulated in a way. And I thought, oh, is this is how you do it? But I just, I look at, say, a month's worth of guests and I go, what does it look like? How many different voices have I got mm-hmm. in here? And after and it's almost like admitting when you're fucked up and you've learned something. Because I asked someone, oh, I want a multi perspective. And then I went, because uh. they very kindly said to me there's no such thing, because we are a diverse people and having to sit with the <laughs> oh because you fuck up along the way because mm-hmm. we're unlearning that look. Well, colonization and unlearning 40 years of of this and so being open to learning and open to being very uncomfortable but i just look at it and i go whose voices whose can i bring into this actually just been about their story and trying not to go oh i'm looking for a Mori person to talk about in, inequality <laughs> you know I mean? yeah. I, i've had yeah at the moment i've been really deliberate mm-hmm. about it and then trying to notice when I'm not being, and yeah. yeah, I guess that's it, and I'm really lucky, I feel really privileged that I work for a woman in the States, I a her for editing, and I get to listen to lots of different podcasts, and some of them are from women of colour in the States, and boy, just being really Exposed to different stories. Mm. And that's why I would recommend to anyone, just like you were saying, is listen to other people's experiences and be really, yeah, notice your responses. Mm. Mm. Notice the discomfort, notice the instant rationalizations of, oh, how can that happen? I was listening to this podcast recently that I was editing, and wow, it was two African American women talking about healthcare, and especially in terms of maternity. And those stories were horrific, mm. and instantly my head's going to, oh wow, how can people be so cruel to another human being? Mm. But that's my privilege as a mm. white woman mm. that I can't imagine mm. that. But this was their, not only their experiences, but intergenerational experiences.
1: I noticed, like at work as well, everywhere kind I've, I've worked at is, I'm quite vocal and comfortable to just call people out really and share my experiences of whether it's racism or whatever mansplaining <laughs> <laughs> the epidemic of mansplaining or whatever it is and i rarely have seen people acknowledge the problem it sounds yeah it sounds silly because i guess in the like more progressive world or whatever people acknowledge problems all the time but in 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 the realm of the whiteness i guess I've rarely seen someone saying, hey, we acknowledge that this is, we haven't done a good job with it and we want to learn and we're going to try and put some work into it. And I feel like without hearing those words, I almost never trust whatever else they're doing. I don't really trust that's where is coming from. And seeing people like, again, being the only like ethnic woman in the room or just woman or whatever and calling it out to people and just seeing uh, the uncomfortableness that they kind of experience and being like, it's okay. Uncomfortable, it's okay. That's how people, that's how most people live their whole lives when you are a minority in the room. But just saying, okay, you're right. Okay, yes, there's a problem here. We acknowledge, we need to do, I'm going to go away and think and I'll come up with a way to do better. So I feel like that's a big part. At least for me, it's been a big part when someone says that. When someone says, hey, I, am I fucked up? Or, sorry, I don't know if I can swear. <laughs> uh, or, or we fucked up or whatever it is. I'm like, we're going to do, we're going to try. That's like. A big sign for me to say okay there's some intention because it's uncomfortable for a leader especially a white male wealthy leader to say in front of someone i don't think i know what the answer is and i don't think i've done a good job like almost never hear that it's always the mm, the plan and opportunity here is versus the okay i don't actually know and and i think that was my bad so that's a big part of it but for myself i found pastoria is like the stories that i want to hear what do i want to hear and what kind of people do I want to meet and what kind of stories I want to, like, I, I just know being from Kazakhstan, like the, so many times you're like, oh tell me and tell me about what is it, what is it like and stuff. And for me, it's quite, I, I love talking about it because it's very, it's quite different people don't know. And I would love to more people to be like, Oh yeah, it's my home. And I like, guess it's different and I can talk about it. And I'm just thinking, I would love to hear more stories myself. Like I've never met people from whatever countries let's talk about that or your cultures, or we do things very differently. So I think that's really, yeah. A cool thing, but without as before, which is a good point, without making it, we need a Māori perspective. Because someone called me, well, just to like sometimes if it's a panel or a board and they're like, we need a token <laughs> woman of color, I'll be like, sure, first of all, I'll be like, well, maybe find someone, who, how many do you have? Blah blah, blah. but even if it's tokenism, sometimes hey, representation still matters. I, I, I really try not to center. The story around this part of people's identity. As you said before, if someone experiences cancer, tell me about how you experience cancer versus like how do you as a Maori experience cancer? Because that's gonna be quite a like, I'm just here because you want diversity and it's a hard,
0: yeah, not the nicest place to be, I think. And I was thinking actually the other thing in that I have learned and I think is so important for other white folks to, to think about is that we don't need to be pat on the back when we do things and not to Expected, because actually what you're doing is just acting like a decent human being and that's the bare minimum any of us can do. Mm-hmm. I think that is one of the things that I'm learning more and more is just to do and not broadcast it or yeah. just be like, okay, I'm going to do these things. I follow this amazing woman on Instagram who did a lot of shit recently, under McAllister. Her and another woman, Tina Nata, really spearheaded this sort of camp campaign i guess or awareness around these revolting racists white supremacists oh my god it was disgusting and that was a real eye-opener i think for me of how can we support women of color when this is they are really doing the heavy lifting and a lot of it was I will give to us financially, mm-hmm. and those sorts of things, or go and complain and report all those mm-hmm. things. And so I think it goes back to what you're talking about before of when we have lots of different people in our social media feeds. We learn that stuff that actually white people can do the heavy lifting and not expect praise for it, and not expect a good pat on the back for being a good whitey. It, you just you do sit with the discomfort <laughs> yeah
1: you know? yeah yeah and yeah. I, I also i think on top of that i think as just mentioned before like listening i found it quite i think we're for some reason we are a bit better at least maybe from my experiences with like racism people acknowledge the oh yes i guess i can see how i benefit whatever but not with sexism like i've seen that become like a whoa you have the you have equal rights what are you talking about what the, the gender thing became almost like well we've sorted it and I've definitely heard many, actually so many, from friends of friends, from work, multiple times from well-meaning people and everything else. Like they would ask for your opinion or experience. And then gaslight you with a, happens so often, right? Like with, a, oh, woman, oh, you have this, you you're experiencing this problem. No, I know you're not. No, 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 we, oh, it actually, it doesn't exist anymore. Like, what about uh, recently? Actually, we had uh, this event that I uh, go to with kind of. Uh, friends and random people get together and discuss topics and whatnot. And it's really lovely. And we were talking about gender discrimination and someone was saying, oh, it doesn't exist anymore. And I think in the moment I'm like, I don't, it's my evening off. I just want to, don't do any emotional labour, but I will just point out that, hey, I've been privileged and yet, look, I've experienced this and this and this directly as a gender. Like it wasn't because of whatever human, other aspects, but it was gender discrimination here and here another person shared something as well and the response was like "Ah, oh, but as an exotic like actually in general like statistics whatever like actually, statistics show even worse pictures and i've seen it surprisingly often again and, and i feel like i'm quite i'm usually in more progressive cycles that um circles sorry than some people so it was quite i was quite surprised that people would say that or say oh tell us what you think we should do and I tell them when they think now nah, i think we should do this yeah so I think it's just listening and, and and just being like yeah you say with um Anna McAllister I love I follow her as well like when if she said something about whatever outcomes or hey I'm going to submit this form petitions and petitions and whatever I feel like if you're a child and be like hey I think you're doing this wrong then you do it <laughs> it's what this person is taking all the emotional labor and all the like physical threats and stuff that she experiences. Like if, if you have a better way to do it, we'll go ahead and do it. But in the absence of that, go and support and do what she says. Yeah.
0: It's so true. And I guess I, I guess we can finish on this. Cause I think it's such a good point is that I feel a lot of people can't put themselves in, in their shoes. And I guess part of my neurodivergence the way my brain works is that I I make connections how do I relate to this person how does this connect with it and I know in terms of neurotypical communication sometimes it doesn't translate because you think god you're self-centered it's like no I'm trying to figure out where I fit how do, where's our how does this fit in the world and I have a tiny sliver of, of trolling on Twitter last week and was called a bitch and a twat and all these awful things and I was thinking that was this tiny little bit and I just imagine what Anna and Tina must have experienced and I just think how like how vile a person do you have to be to think I am going to threaten this individual mm. and I think even if you can just put yourself in mm-hmm. that person's shoes for one moment and think what would it be like if your image was used in the way that it had been or what would it be like to constantly have things in your inbox saying you should die you're this and the other and I think that even if we can do that for one moment mm-hmm. that should give motivation just <laughs> like how can I support this person yeah. yeah yeah and and on that note as well as. Is-
1: how like people who have the the position the privilege the luck whatever it is to be let's say if you're white and you're with white friends or if you're male and with your dude friends or whatever it is or you maybe you are a woman of color and everything else but you have the influence and control or whatever it is how how do like i always joke with them with my partner because we do this work together and with storio and i can be doing all the work and all the I do all the interviews and stories and stuff. And especially for some of the projects, I do like way more emotional labor. And we'll be sitting with some people like uh, randos or friends or whatever. And me saying a point and him saying point and how much more weight his, and he always loves his, it's ridiculous. You do all this work and you like, you have all the, you're doing research and you're doing, and you can back it up with your personal experiences and numbers. And people will not, will kind of, oh yeah, yeah. And then he says it as a white dude. And then it's oh I should listen to it. And I take it like, it's sad, but also, wow, what a wonderful thing is to have this privilege. Use it. Like, just little call outs and little, oh, this is uncomfortable, I'll say it. Wow, what a, it's like power. <laughs> That's wonderful.
0: Yeah. yeah. People should use it. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming and having tea and cake with me and sharing your experiences. just being so wonderful to connect and yeah. hear more about what you do. It was so wonderful. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for joining me. If you have I loved this episode and want to learn more, please come and follow me on Instagram for more content or subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can find all of that information in the show notes.